You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hi, my lovely listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so thrilled to welcome Beto O'Rourke to read from his new book, We've Got to Try, How the Fight for Voting Rights Makes Everything Else Possible, followed by a conversation. Beto O'Rourke is a fourth-generation Texan, born and raised in El Paso, where he has served as a small business owner, a city council representative, and a member of Congress. He founded and currently leads Powered by People, a Texas-based organization that works to expand democracy and produce democratic victories through voter registration and direct voter engagement. Beto, thank you for coming on today. Appreciate it. Lance, it's good to be with you and good to be with your colleague, Arlo. Um, good friend from, from El Paso and um, someone who first connected me to Skylight Books. And uh, I'm grateful to be with both of you. No, thank you for having me on. And listeners, we actually have a special treat. One of our uh, amazing uh, booksellers, Arlo, is on for today too. Arlo, if you want to say hi. Great to be here. <laughs> Arlo will be, you know, here here for the conversation. So you might hear him throughout the episode. So it's a special treat. Also, um, Beto, it's your 50th today. Happy birthday. 50 years old. Um, yeah. And thank you. I appreciate it. It's a good way to start the, the birthday day. I went for a, I'm, I'm staying in Austin. We're doing an event at the University of Texas at Austin today. And then mm-hmm. later today, uh, one at UT San Antonio. And so I went for a run this morning and it's just beautiful out there. And I feel lucky to be alive and celebrating 50. So thanks, Lance. Uh-huh. No, love to hear it. Love to hear it. Thank you for treating us by coming on in your 50th. Uh, yeah. My God, that's, uh, we appreciate it so much. Um, well, you have a reading for us? Yeah, so so this book is called We've Got to Try, and I um, wrote it over the last couple of years um, trying to understand what's going on in our democracy in this country, and especially in Texas, where it is harder to vote and register to vote than it is anywhere else. And um, this is not a new thing, as any student of history knows. I mean, we've struggled in this country to extend and expand the franchise to make sure that every eligible citizen can be heard and have their vote counted. Um, and to understand this, I kind of went back in time to, to see um, how we got to where we are today, what we've been up against before, and there's this hero that stands out in my reading of Texas history, this guy named Dr. Lawrence Nixon, who's an African-American physician who moved to El Paso around the turn of the last century, um, set up practice and uh, became as civically engaged as a person could be, only to find by 1923 that voting by African-Americans in Texas had been outlawed, literally not you know, how many jelly beans are in the jar, or can you recite this part of the Texas state constitution, but in black and white state statute said that if you were black, you could not vote. And so this book is about, in part, what he does in order to overcome that. And so, um, you know, uh, this, this uh, that's kind of the, the context. Um, he, by the way, founds the first chapter of the NAACP in the state of Texas 
in Arlo's and in, in my hometown of El Paso in, in 1914. So this, this guy is just, he's a doer. Um, he's a leader and he's, he's organizing in this community. And so here's a little bit of, of context about him and where he is in El Paso leading up to the point where he tries to vote in, in 1924. So he and his wife, Drusilla, eventually moved closer to the all-Black Douglas School in the nearby Magoffin neighborhood. But the community of underdogs and immigrants where he had lived in Segundo Barrio, who first welcomed Dr. Nixon, would undoubtedly influence him for the remainder of his life. In his new practice at the corner of Willow and Myrtle, in a neighborhood of mixed industrial retail and residential buildings, Nixon further rose as a community leader. Whether it was serving in his church, leading the NAACP, or working with the city government to construct a swimming pool for black children, Nixon embraced the opportunity to serve. Along with practicing medicine and caring for his patients, civic engagement became central to his purpose in life. And so it must have come as a rude shock to him following the adoption of the white primary law by the Texas legislature in 1923, that after more than a decade of dedication to, to the public life of this burgeoning, ambitious community of El Paso, he would no longer be able to vote in Texas elections. As if unable to accept this injustice and too set in his path of civic involvement, Nixon still paid his annual poll tax in January, 1924. He also continued to negotiate with El Paso's newly elected mayor on the funding and location for the public swimming pool that would serve black El Pasoans. And he voted in the May bond election that year to help ensure its passage. This, vote in May was only possible because it was a municipal nonpartisan race and therefore wasn't subject to the white primary law. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to Nixon, William Pickens, the National Field Secretary of the NAACP, was looking for someone to challenge the new Texas voting law in court. While other states had worked to prevent African Americans from voting, none but Texas had taken the extreme measure of enshrining the prohibition in statute. The ideal candidate for the suit had to meet a narrow set of conditions. They had to be a black voter who had paid their poll tax. They had to be consistently registered as a Democrat. And most important, as Pickens put it, we are looking for someone who is not afraid. Of all the possible black voters in Texas, he chose Nixon, who fit the bill as perfectly as could have been hoped. Nixon readily accepted the challenge to become the lead plaintiff in fighting the white primary law, perhaps not knowing the difficulty and duration of the battle before him. And so on the morning of July 26, 1924, Nixon walked the three blocks to his normal polling location, fire station number five on Texas Avenue to try to vote in the Democratic primary. There he was greeted by the election judges, Champ Herndon and Charles Porras, both of whom he would have called his friends. They made polite small talk, asking about each other's health. And this must've been a familiar routine given the number of elections in which Nixon had voted at this same location. And then, Nixon displayed his poll tax receipt in order to vote. The tone of the conversation changed, and one of the judges painfully told him, Dr. Nixon, you know we can't let you vote. I know you can't, he answered, but I've got to try. And so that kind of sets the scene for the rest of the book, this 20-year this struggle that Nixon leads to integrate voting in Texas again and really set the scene for LBJ to sign the Voting Rights Act of 1965 into law. And that's kind of the, the opening of the book. So Lance, thanks for letting me read part of that. 
Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that with us. And yeah, no, I'm, I know our listeners probably love that. Um, so I wanted to start off our conversation asking, since this book is about, it's about Nixon, but also about um, so many other people who helped change the course of uh, voting rights in Texas, what led you to want to write about them all? You know, I, I think that you kind of have a choice right now, um, given everything that's going on in this country and, and, and really especially Texas. So here in this state, as you probably know, Lance, abortion is completely outlawed. There's no exception for rape or incest. The ban begins at conception. And this mm-hmm. state leads now the nation in the rate of maternal mortality. And it's three times as deadly for black women. You have a, a horrific problem with gun violence in our communities. It's the leading cause of death for kids and teenagers in Texas. We've had horrible mass shootings in El Paso, and Sutherland Springs, and Santa Fe High School in Galveston, Midland, Odessa, and now uh, almost 18 weeks to the day in, in Uvalde. And the only thing our government has done is make it easier for people to buy and carry guns in public. All, all these challenges and at the heart of it is this attack on the right to vote and our democracy. And we saw it January 6th of 2021 during the insurrection. Um, but we also see it in our state legislatures who pass laws making it harder to vote. So the choice is, do you just accept this? Do you submit to it? Um, do you succumb to despair and just say, you know what? I, I just, I guess this is just what it, it's going to be like to live in Texas or to live in this country going forward? Or do you take action and do you do something about it? And mm-hmm. in, in my life and in my reading of, of history that I present in this book, action is both the antidote to despair and the key to victory. The only way you overcome stuff is by getting after it and standing up to be counted um, mm-hmm. and doing the work. And, and that's mm-hmm. what Nixon does. And his battle, which is so inspiring to me, is so extraordinarily difficult. It, it's 20 years. And um, there, there's this part of the book where, you know, he fights this starting in 1924, takes it to the local mm-hmm. federal bench, uh, loses a decision, takes it to the Supreme Court and wins. But then the Texas legislature amends the law to get past the Supreme Court decision. He has to fight another battle in the Supreme Court. It takes him mm-hmm. 20 years. And every single election during this, um, he goes and pays his poll tax, tries to vote. They, they don't let him vote. The humiliation, the rejection, the loneliness, the radio stations start calling him on the eve of, of these elections. And they're like, mm-hmm. you know, they put him on air and they're like, Dr. Nixon, are you going to try to vote in this election? And I can't tell if those radio station hosts, you know, are making fun of him um are inspired by him um or just think that this is an an odd guy doing a a strange thing um but that must have been really lonely and really hard and just so tough um and yet this guy persists and and ultimately he wins and by 1944 through this historic supreme court decision smith versus all right elections are are beginning to get reintegrated in texas again and as i said earlier he kind of lays the ground for LBJ to sign the, the VRA in 65, which creates the first multiracial democracy in American history. Wow. So I'm inspired by that guy's action mm-hmm. and, and that he was willing to do what it took in order to overcome. And I feel like we've all inherited that sacrifice, his service, 
their struggle and what we do with this inheritance kind of determines our future and yeah. we squander it or we we also get after it and step up and do our part and so um you know that's lance that's what got me into this um book and, and into researching dr nixon's story and the stories of so many other extraordinary texans who fought the longest odds and and overcame them and got us to where we are today which is a place where we can fight these odds and overcome these challenges as well i how did you like balance your time as a politician and writer for this books because you just you, i only i can only imagine how busy you are and writing a book just seems you know to add so much more on there it's something i've been interested in for a long time and have been just incidentally collecting these stories about these extraordinary texans and communities who have done just amazing things and and what got me about so many of these stories including dr nixon's is they're not part of our popular history or, mm -hmm. or really our our culture in terms of knowing dr nixon's name um or knowing the name of this guy named shad felder who um fights this insurrection attempt in washington county where these white nationalists um try to steal literally steal the ballot boxes and the votes of an election that takes place in washington county texas in 1886 and shad felder is um, literally defending the the ballot box and for so doing is arrested and along with two other african americans in washington county is is lynched is hanged by a a mob um the, the people who perpetrated the ballot theft um end up exonerated and staying in power and it marks this this moment where we we really absolutely lose democracy in the state of texas for more than 70 years until we get it back again in in 1965 mm -hmm. and um and I meet this woman, and I talk about this in the book, Taylor Coleman, who's volunteering for me back in 2020. It started a group called Powered by People. And folks listening to the podcast can't see this, but Arlo is wearing one of our great Powered by People t-shirts right now. And Powered Love by it. People was all about registering people to vote and organizing to fight voter suppression and voter intimidation and stand up for voting rights. And Taylor's one of these extraordinary young volunteers who's working with me, and we're talking about why the right to vote is so important. And she, I, I'd never heard Shad Felder's name before, and, you know, and never would have, except she mm. tells me that she's related. He's one of her ancestors. And she tells wow. me this story about defending, literally defending with his life, the franchise and our democracy. And it just opened up uh, a, a world that I, I did not know about. And into that I dove, and I tell Shad's story in, in this book and the story of so many other people. And so I was doing this voting rights work and I wasn't a candidate. I wasn't an office holder and um, just writing these stories down, doing the research, um, working with folks like Taylor and, and others who, who helped us to do this. It's my wife, Amy, who's walking into the to the hotel room right now. Um, so. Uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough that I could do the bulk of the work before I started running for governor, which is what I'm doing now. We're in the last 44 days, muscle menos of this of this campaign. And um, and and yet, Lance, all this stuff comes together because, you know, my greatest challenge right now in this race is not 
the incumbent or the amount of money he has or the fact that, um, you know, uh, it's been 32 years since a Democrat won this office. It happened to be mm -hmm. one of the best of all times, Ann Richards. It's the fact that the right to vote is um, under attack here more so mm -hmm. than anywhere else. And so there are millions of people who are effectively and functionally disenfranchised in the state of Texas. And so working on this book, I, I learn how you overcome that. And you don't wait for someone to ride to the rescue. It won't be the Department of Justice. It won't be the president. Certainly won't be today's Supreme Court. It's gotta be us. And it's gotta be knocking on the doors, meeting people where they are, you know, eyeball to eyeball, face to face, human to human. Um, the old fashioned way. And that's the way that these heroes um, won the right in the first place. And, and also all the things that spring from, you know, a, a vigorous, active democracy. I, I remind folks that, you know, in Texas today, abortion is outlawed. But 50 years ago, um, you know, uh, 50 years ago, when I was born, um, abortion was just as illegal. And no one rode to our rescue to save the day. Jane Roe, a Roe versus Wade, a Texas woman, and her two Texas attorneys, um, Linda Coffey, who still lives in Dallas, and Sarah Weddington from Abilene, they prevailed upon an all-male United States Supreme Court and won the right to privacy for women to make very personal, often very painful decisions without government intervention. And Roe versus Wade was the law of the land, stood the test of time for nearly... Mm -hmm half a century. That was won by, by Texas women. So in other words, we can overcome the challenges today. We've overcome them before against much greater odds, and we're going to get it done again. And in fact, we might very well get it done in November of, of this year. So Lance, it all kind of flows together in, in some amazing way. Maybe there are no accidents and no coincidences in, in this life. I mean, it just, it sounds like, you know, yeah, the convergence there just seems so you, improbable, but like, you know, that's, that's the magic in it, right? That is, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, of life. Yeah. And God, it makes it so much more fun. Um, when you were researching this book, did you like learn anything surprising about the voting process? And like, if so, how did it change your outlook on voting, especially since, you know, you're on the other side of it as a current gubernatorial, gubernatorial nominee? I knew I wanted to pronounce that word just perfectly and I knew I'd mess it up. I never say that word because I probably won't be able to pronounce it. <laughs> um you did good. I, I'll, I'll say, I mean, every story in here surprised me. Um, mm -hmm. And I, and I want to credit uh, a woman named Maggie Walsh, who lives here in Austin, who um, was the researcher on this book, the research lead. And so I would I would uncover these stories and I would do some initial research and kind of, you know, document what I knew. And then Maggie would go in deep and, and provide all the supporting, you know, um, first, you know, uh, source material mm -hmm. to make sure that we, we had this right. And it, it was factually correct. But yes, yeah, so so many of these things I had never heard of before. There, there was this thing, mm -hmm. for example, Lance, in um, another county called Fort Bend, called the Jaybird primary. And it comes out of reconstruction. And it's, you know, aggrieved, again, white nationalist men who mm -hmm. don't like fact that African-Americans in Texas have won political power. And in fact, in Fort Bend County, the first African-American sheriff ever elected to office anywhere in the United States 
is elected right there. More than half of the office holders in that county are are black. And mm -hmm. so these these nationalists, these white nationalists create this this white primary. It's a precursor to the white primary that Dr. Nixon fights against um, decades later. It's called the Jaybird primary. And it's kind of a mm -hmm. filter, a white filter for candidates who want to run for office. Well, there's an there's an opposing group called the Woodpeckers. Uh, and they are largely Republicans, and they are for full democracy, and they include African American and also Anglo Texans who believe in the right to vote. And it turns out that this fight between the Jaybirds and the Woodpeckers is not only political, it turns extremely violent. There are assassinations that take place on either side of, of this divide until you get like on election day uh, in the 1880s, or forget the, the precise year, but there's there's a an all out pitched battle, which the the Jaybirds, um, the white nationalists end up winning because the governor of the state of Texas, a guy named Saul Ross, literally comes to town, you know, and quote unquote brokers a peace. But, but what the peace is, is that every woodpecker, that means every Republican, and that means every African American office holder must literally leave the county and leave their offices. And it's another stolen election, this time within the purview of the elected state government, and literally the most powerful man in the state of Texas. And until just a few years ago, there was a monument to the Jaybirds, these white nationalists, in Fort Bend. It just recently got pulled down. And the Jaybird primary itself was not ruled unconstitutional until 1953. So like within the lifetime uh, of our parents, this white primary was still taking place in Fort Bend County. But but the kicker for me is that in 2018, when I was running for Senate, there was a guy named KP George who was born in, in India, uh, who was um, also elected to county judge, becoming the first person of color to win a position in their county government since that Jaybird Woodpecker War. And at the same time, an African-American county attorney was elected and an African-American sheriff, first black sheriff elected there since the first black sheriff elected in anywhere in the United States back in the, in the 1880s. So again, another kind of lesson about the um, extraordinary violence perpetrated against those who were seeking the right to vote more than a hundred years ago that shaped our democracy up until today. And then a story about those who've overcome it, including these elected officials in Fort Bend County right now. So all of these stories just come from traveling the state. And I've been to every one of the 254 counties of Texas. So I've picked up a lot of these stories and um, they're just super inspiring to me. And I just wanted to have the chance to share them with people throughout the country. We, we need some hope right now. And we need some examples mm -hmm. of how we overcome. And in this book, we find them. Yeah, no, I love that. I love to, you know, I love anything that'll inspire this country because we need some inspiration right now, right? We could all um, use it. We could all use it. Um, I know we have a couple minutes left. So the last question I want to ask you is, you know, after writing this book, how do you think it will affect you as a politician in the future? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know that there'll be much of a connection between the two. You know, I don't know mm -hmm. that someone will read the book and say, well, by God, I'm going to vote for this guy. Um, uh, but but I, I love that the book will live independently of anything that I do. And if I've done anything that I'm proud of in this book, it is to 
elevate and raise the stories of people who most folks might otherwise never have heard of, you know, so people mm -hmm. like Dr. Nixon or Shad Felder or KP George, the, the current county judge in, in Fort Bend. Um, the book ends with um, a woman I've had the chance to meet that many people have heard of, but uh, I got to share some stories that she told me. Her name's Opal Lee, and she's now 93, 94, 95 years old, lives in Fort Worth, Texas. She moved there from Marshall, Texas, which is in the northeast part of, of our state in the 1930s. And on Juneteenth, uh, 1939, um, June 19th, it's the day beginning in Texas that, that we celebrated emancipation because emancipation was delayed by two years in, in the state of Texas until General Granger read the Emancipation Proclamation in Galveston County in 1865 and literally every June 19th since then, you know, we've celebrated this in the state of Texas. So Opal Lee and her family moved to Fort Worth in the 1930s and her parents buy a home in what is a predominantly or maybe all white neighborhood in that community. And on June 19th of 1939, a white mob surrounds her home and burns it down to the ground. And her dad tries to get their shotgun to repel the attackers and is told by a Fort Worth police officer, you know, if you grab that gun, I will turn this mob loose on you and your family. And so they just have to stand wow. back and watch mm -hmm. their entire worldly possessions literally go up in, in, in flames. And so that Juneteenth made obviously an extraordinary impression on Opal Lee. And literally every day of her life since then, she's been trying to convey what Juneteenth means to her. Yes, it's a celebration of emancipation, but it also must be a recognition of the work left undone. And that is our obligation to do together and not just for black women or black men, but for all of us across the United States of America. And so she made it her goal to ensure that Juneteenth became not just something that we talk about here in Texas, but a national celebration that hopefully um, provides the, the basis for a national conversation about how we do much better in, in this country. And so she begins this journey, kind of a lonely one like Lawrence Nixon's, where she walks from Fort Worth, Texas. At this point, she's in her 80s, right? All the way to Washington, D.C., and tries to prevail upon members of Congress and President Obama in, in his administration, ultimately President Biden in his, to make Juneteenth a national holiday. And last year, she finally overcame this challenge and won, and Joe Biden, President Biden, made uh, June 19th the first federally recognized holiday in America in more than 30 years. And Opal Lee won that now in her in her 90s. And I got to walk with her in Fort Worth earlier this year on June 19th of 2022. And she she walks two and a half miles every June 19th, you know, kind of as a reminder of that long walk that she took from from Fort Worth to DC. And in the book that and her story kind of closes it out, you know, she talks about how fundamental the right to vote is and how that confers everything else that we care about, including the progress we want to make on civil rights and ensuring everyone is treated equally under the law. So um, I, I feel so lucky to have, um, you know, gotten to know people like Opal Lee and to be able to tell their stories and have all that 
shared in this book. And I hope that that um, connects with other people who are looking for some inspiration or some hope or optimism right now. You, you read Opal Lee's story or Dr. Nixon's story, the stories of so many others, and you think, you know what? Um, if, if they can do it against those challenges and those long odds, then who am I not to do my part right now? And I certainly feel that way in what we're trying to do in Texas today. No, I, that's a great answer. Wow. And I, you know, that speaks volumes to, you know, your mission there. And I, wow, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. And thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. I know um, Arlo uh, appreciates it too. And we just like, we're a big fan of yours at Skylight. So we are wishing you luck from LA. Um, listeners, please go buy um, Beto's book right now. You learn so much about, you know, voting rights and the voting rights in Texas and, you know, all this great work that happened. Um, his book, We've Got to Try, is on sale right now at your local bookstore. So go pick it up. I know you got to go, but quickly, do you want to shout out your local independent bookstore? Yeah, so um, my, my favorite uh, bookstore in California, of course, is, is Skylight. My favorite bookstore okay. in El Paso is Literarity. And um, these folks have done such an amazing job, especially of elevating El Paso authors and, and Texas authors. And if you find yourself in West Texas, stop by Literarity. You will not be disappointed. They also have a pretty good um, record collection which is um, the way that uh, Arlo and I first connected as um, eighth graders at, at El Paso High School. He um, lent me his Clash London Calling album and it forever changed my life. And I'm hoping that there's some eighth grader in El Paso right now who's gonna walk into Literarity and find a copy of London Calling or whatever it is that's gonna transform their lives. Um, so. Thank you, Lance, Arlo. Thank you both for having me on and for giving me a chance to talk about the book and for what you all do in, in your community. And I hope to see you in person when we get back out to Southern California. Yes, please, please, please stop by. Listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, appreciate you all. You all have a great, beautiful rest of your day. Go do something nice for yourself. And for everyone, have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.